Fields Bowie versus Tillian. Is this year when I'm glowy? Am I killing? I hope it's not a blowy or a villain. Welcome once again to another startling, amazing edition of Bowie versus Dylan. Woo! I'm Charlie and I like Bowie. I'm Jake and I love Dylan. Hey, we're bringing you back into that long and far ago time of 2022, ah. which is not long or far ago. Ago? Far ago. That's not a thing. Long ago. Far away. Uh-huh. And long ago. Yeah, that's how better it goes. There it goes. Hey, before we get into this, Jake, we were just always happy to be back for our, you know, periodic podcast. But you know what isn't periodic, Jake? What? My side project. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh. Can we wrap, the, can we wrap this up? Talk some more about your side project. Go, go. Yeah, I didn't say well, that. Well, I mean, quiet down, everybody. Quiet down. It's called Driving Me Backwards, and it's appropriately located at www.drivingmebackwards.com. Wow, yeah, woo! And it's strangely not about David Bowie at all yet, though eventually it'll be. Is it about Bob Dylan? and his adventures from the years 1971 to 1983. Lovable mob tops, Jake and Charlie. <laughs> yep. The terrific two. We're not the fab four. We're the tear two. Is uh, what they call us. I'm all the, the time. I'm and the cute one. All the time. I'm the cute one and the serious one and the playful one or whatever they are. <laughs> I'm just the smart one. I'm the smart <laughs> that's one. it. <laughs> I'm the smart one. That's it. I'm the sassy anyway, one. At this time, I would like to Jake just calm down. I want you to stop talking about dragging backwards for one minute. Okay? <laughs> I can't. I can't. It's not. What we're talking about today, this is a Bowie vs. Dylan episode. I know uh-huh. you're excited, yeah. but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what do we talk What do we talk about? You know, the, the Bowie vs. Dylan character who is still alive. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. So... Um, yeah, how, would like, how would you like that? Wait, well, I would uh, like... Check your notes, check your notes to, make, to figure out which one's still alive. Uh, my research indicates uh, that it's Bob Dylan who is still alive. In the year 2023, or, you know, rather about the year 2022. That's just, just what I've come up with, yeah, both you know. Both of those years. I mean, at least 2023 so far as of this, as of this uh, filming right now. Yeah. Recording. Not it's filming, recording. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the things could is, change. The year is still young. The thing, things could change, you know. Things could, things could go you crazy. Know, we hope not. Well, I'll tell you what happened with, uh, with Bob Dylan. We call him the, the, the live one. De- Bowie's the dead the one. one. Yeah, yep, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the smart one. Boy, the cute one. He's the alive one. Yeah, I'm the sassy one. Bob is the, the sassy one. Sure, Bob sure. is the cantankerous one. We all the know that. We all know yeah. that's true. Uh, I'll tell you what he was doing in 2022. Chaz, something that he hadn't hey. done. What? What? No, nothing. I oh. was just putting my finger in my nose. <laughs> I don't know why, and it's kind of sat there because you were talking, and I was like, "Oh, what's he talking about?" <laughs> 
that my finger was still in my nose, indicating that maybe I had something to say, but I don't. I just want um, to. I just want to say that I just want to let the podcast audience know that it wasn't in his nose. It was just kind of on the side. He was like, it was just on the side. Nose. Yeah, it was not. <laughs> that was very. Strange. I really appreciate your honesty in this matter, Jake. I would have assumed you would have thrown me on the and, and suggested that. You I was know what? I'm nervous. feeling. I'm feeling pretty. Um, you know, magnanimous today, tonight. Yeah, well, you know, I you mean, told me you were sleepy. Talking- uh, You're talking about someone who's still alive. So yeah, well, it looks okay. All right, let's let's return to that. We had right, got go, we go. got so Talk far. Person who's alive. Go, we go. were yep. very close to saying something that he had done in the year 2022. Uh, <clears throat> we're going to get right back to that. After a two and a half year hiatus, guess what Bob Dylan decided to do with his time in the year 2022? Given the you know world stage and uh, the 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 uh, the sort of uh, way that the pandemic was coming in and out, you know, it was pretty much out by about March 2022. Well, what did he do? I guess that the never-ending tour that clearly ended <laughs> stopped ending. It stopped ending, and I'll tell you what. I'm just going to tell you what he did in 2022, and then we have a bit of a, we have something to hash out, you and me together. And you're, okay, you're, you're actually going to... hash, we will. We're going to hash it right out. Okay. Well, I'm just going to say that the never-ending tour started in 2022. Bob Dylan could only muster 82 concerts in the year 2022 <laughs> which ironically is also how old he is uh is that true no he's 81 uh-huh. he's 81 you're close though oh well uh, so close uh he um he came out of the pandemic uh he wanted a tour he wanted that that tour to never end but it had it had to end for obvious reasons uh, but he came out and he said <clears throat> i'm not just gonna i'm just not i'm not gonna just play for one year in 2022, I'm going to schedule concerts through 2024, which is something that he did. <laughs> and this was all under the heading of the Rough and Rowdy Ways Tour, which is the title of his last album. Right. So he so did. We're fifth... guaranteed he's he's not going to die at least through 2024. Well, I mean, he's got he's got. He would never he would never do that. Never schedule something and nope. then not be able to fulfill. Nope. He's got stuff on the books. That means you can count on it. He'll be there. Yeah. He... He'll at least there. two more, at least another year, year and a half, everybody. It might be, uh, it might be one of the worst concerts you've ever seen, but that that doesn't matter. You'll you'll pay he for it. He made tickets. no promises on that. He, he made, no, no, it he sure he did. He said it would happen. Uh, he did fifty three concerts in North America, including close to my house, and I tried to go, uh, but the only tickets that were left were like well over two hundred dollars or something, or eight hundred wow. or something. It was just like, oh, thank you, but no. Where are we you. at? Where they're not comping your tickets yet for Bob Dylan? Honest himself. to. Pete, you know, I've... He still remembers, you know what he does? He remembers his, the whole cease and desist thing after the t-shirt. <laughs> he does. And he's like still mad about it because I'm sure yeah. he handles all of those things personally. He absolutely does. You know what? He, he's really hands-on about his career, especially his communications with his fans. He's very, very in there with that, um, being well, doing Bob, who he is. Well, Bob, you're listening because... You always listen to every episode. Absolutely. I just want you to know that Jake needs some comp tickets to every single one of your concerts is anywhere near him. Absolutely. And one of those concerts, uh, there's 11 scheduled in 2023 in Asia. So I'll go to one of those. That's fine. Yeah. You can comp me Probably right up. i send both of us to all of them. Okay. All right. I mean, that's a compromise. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. you know, this is a give and take. We'll do it. Whatever. Yeah. Fine. Hey. Okay. Whoa, you want us to go to all your concerts. Okay. You want to pay for it? Fine. Fine. Back up. Airfare to Asia? Up, yeah. Know. Maybe I'll have noise-canceling headphones on listening to David Bowie during the show, but, you know, that's my business. Whatever. <laughs> that's, that's up to me. You can't tell him what to do, Bob. Come on. <laughs> We're going to need, like, uh, backstage passes, too. Fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so that was 53 in North America, 29 in Europe, 11 scheduled in Asia for 2023, but uh, only 82 in 2022. 
you know, reports reports are mixed. Uh, there was one thing that said that uh, his concerts were dark but playful, and I'm not sure how that is a thing, but that's mm. it. Kind of rough and rowdy ways was dark but playful. I, I will say, I will say that uh, since he does seem to be doing a little bit more of his newer music on this tour, like yeah. he's actually supporting the album, which is something that's not always guaranteed that he does. I, I would call that dark but playful. You know, yeah. murder most you know, foul okay, is kind of so- like that. When you say dark but playful, here's what I'm thinking about, Jake. I don't know if you heard about this. Yeah. But Winnie the Pooh has fallen out of copyright, and there's this movie coming out, and I'm not joking, I'm not exaggerating, I'm not, not making this up. Yeah. Called uh, Pooh, Blood, and Honey. Okay. And it's a horror film. <laughs> okay. With Pooh. Wait, how can... And that's what I think about. When I think about dark but playful, yeah. I think of Winnie the Pooh slaughtering people. As a horror movie? Yeah. I, that's, not a, that's not a bad Dylan comp. We need the pool murdering. His little red T-shirt and everything. Yeah, just, just blood. Does that have something? The color of his T-shirt. Does that have something to do with like the cocaine bear? I've heard that's a thing. That's a movie. No, that's completely different as far as I can tell. Yeah. Not that I've seen a new movie in months, but you know. No, who would? Who would do that? Uh, uh. So, uh, the this is where we get to the part where you know you might you might be happy to hear this. When I was doing my research about how many concerts Dylan did. You know, I go to Wikipedia and I look and um, and I look for the uh, the never-ending tour on the Wikipedia page and somebody has always put in how many concerts he's done for what year and in what place and blah, 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 blah. I went through Chaz and the never-ending tour page ends at 2019. I'm telling you, it ended, Jake. It and ended. there's a new page for the Rough and Rowdy Ways Tour that starts in 2022. Mm. Yeah. Well. So you have three choices uh, about this, okay. and we, you and I, have talked offline about this um, at length. Did the never-ending tour end? And my my contention was, of course, that it didn't. And your contention was, well, maybe it did because it had to end. And I said, well, if, I mean, he didn't want it to end. He would have toured that whole time. I don't. I just don't think that that's relevant, whether or not he wanted right. the tent. Right. Right. And and I don't know. Maybe David Wicked... Bowie didn't want to die, but he still died. Jay. <laughs> he would have been still not touring, you know. Right. But he would have yeah, been he alive. Have toured, but he would have still been alive. <clears throat> so here, releasing music. So of course, ultimately, this is a rhetorical question because the never-ending tour never was called that by Bob Dylan right. at all. Right. So he called it that in 1988 when he started it. He he said he was so down in the dumps. He said. Well, I'm just gonna tour. I'm just gonna tour forever. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go on a never-ending tour. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that, everyone. That's what he said. But he says that it ended in 1991 when G.E. Smith, who was his kind of musical partner in those days, uh, went back to playing for Saturday Night Live, where, where he still is. Uh, the Wikipedia says that it ends in 2019 uh, when the pandemic forced it to end. And but all other web pages say. Quote, Bob Dylan announces spring 2022 or 2022 dates for his never-ending tour. But never-ending tour is in quotes. But every one of those says that the tour is still never-ending. So I don't want to believe the internet. But, I mean, if we believe Bob, then there never really was a never-ending tour. So what what say you? Uh, I'm still going back to, I'm holding the line. Okay. There was a never-ending tour. Everyone in the world called it that except for Bob. Yep. Except he did at the beginning. He did at the beginning. And he then, started uh, it. But then it clearly ended. It didn't, I mean, and I know he didn't want to, and it wouldn't have ended had there not been a crazy global circumstances, but crazy yeah. global circumstances ended a lot of things. That's right. Like, so, 
you know. And it ended. And I'm saying now he could be starting out a new never ending tour. Like I'm I'm cool with that. I'm gonna say that that that's possible. <laughs> Even though he never was Maybe on a never ending tour. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Well, you know, um, that's just one bit that's just one of the bits of controversy that Bob Dylan got himself into. Uh, uh, over the course of 2022, obviously that one. He I'm didn't looking get... forward to his big controversy. I'm he had a couple. He had a couple. Well, yeah. it was mostly one big one. Well, no, I'm looking forward to one of them. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's get let's get on to the uh, the the thing that he actually did in 2022. This is connected to the controversy, but we're not going to quite get there yet. We're going to talk about a work of nonfiction that he did called "The Philosophy of Modern Song." It's a book. Bob Dylan wrote a book. And he released now, it in 2022. How much, this, huh? how much of this was plagiarized? Like in a percentage, uh, how much was plagiarized? I mean, was estimates estimates range from 2% to about 99%. So that's okay, not bad. Yeah. 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 Uh, I actually haven't read anything about whether any of that was plagiarized. Part, part of the, the fun here is that as a nonfiction book, you know, some of these are facts. So it doesn't, so, doesn't sound like any of the facts were wrong. Uh, he may have plagiarized. So the book is uh, consists of two things. He he does he does musical commentary and critique kind of on sixty six songs, ranging from usually like the nineteen twenties is the earliest one, all the way through like uh, what the latest one is in the eighties, I think, or maybe in the nineties. Uh, most of them are centered around the nineteen fifties. But you have a question. The, the, the my question is. We have 66 songs. Yeah. How many of them were written and performed by David Bowie? There was zero. Oh, Jake. I know. <laughs> you couldn't at least have lied to me to, to save my feelings? <laughs> no, I cannot do that. <laughs> you could have given me a number in the mid-30s and I would have been like, okay, that's all right. Yeah. 34? Sure. 34 yep, that I were written by, <laughs> by David Bowie? <laughs> <laughs> no, about David Bowie. Oh, about David Bowie? Well, the songs are by people. I, I, you know what? Uh, I don't. That way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By David Boy. Okay. 34 out of the 66 songs. That's how I'm going to remember it. It's 34. Just a little over half. Respectable. Uh, It's it's not too bad. I mean, it's it's what he would have wanted. It's like a 51% shareholder. You know, he's still got he's got the voting rights in it. He really could have blew everyone's mind and did and did a chapter about song for Bob Dylan by David Bowie. I wish I wish he had done that. That would have been. That would have been choice. It would have been real choice. Yep. Uh, all right, so along those lines about counting the songs, there's 66 songs, and I want you to guess how many of them that you would say that I knew just reading the list, that I recognized those songs or knew them enough to be like, oh, yeah, I know that song, out of the 66. There, many, right, many of them are centered in the 1950s. It's like pre-rock and roll into early rock and roll. You want a number? Yeah. How many do you think I knew okay. right off the bat? 48. Oh, you give me too much credit. I knew 32 just looking at it. Oh, okay. So there's some obscurities in here. And then yes. how many would you say that you would have had any interest in whatsoever out of the 66? I counted them up just knowing you. <laughs> uh, 10. I, I only counted six. Okay, I mean, I, I might Elvis be wrong. There, so. I mean, yeah, we got some Elvis Costello, which is one of the best chapters, honestly. It's really good. Um, so the uh, the the format of the book is is in two little parts. So about each song, he does a second person narration, sort of explaining what the narrator of the lyrics of the song was thinking. 
Okay. About like as if he were in the song, but he was sort of like talking about uh, talking about somebody in the song. And the second is a more traditional kind of um, uh, essay about the artist and the song and when it came out and all of that stuff. Okay. Okay, and I will tell you um, that I'm taking my time with this. I have not finished it. I'm about halfway through. Uh, You're not done reading it? No, and I'll tell you, I'm just settled down, Charlie. Whoa! Settle. It's not even 2022 anymore. I know, but it came out in November. A. B. Jake? Yeah. Jake? Yeah, yeah. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. You're just disappointed. You're just disappointed. I'm just disappointed. I'm just disappointed. I knew you were going to say that. Wow. Wow. Wait, but I'll tell you why. I wanted. <laughs> I have been doing a thing. I have a routine with it, which is really fun because they're about actual songs. I have a playlist that's called Philosophy of Modern Song, and I listen okay. to the song before I start reading the chapters. So this is kind of like okay. a before bed thing where I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll knock out two or three chapters. I really want to listen to to the song and and hear what he has to say about it. So I've been just. Hey, Jake. I, yeah, yeah. Jake. Yeah. I'm not disappointed anymore. That, that sounds sweet. Doesn't that sound yeah, nice? No, that sounds really great. Hey, thanks, Chaz. Sounds really great. You know yeah. what? I'm not disappointed at your disappointment anymore either. I'll just say that. <laughs> I'm still a little disappointed. I was lying. Just I'm now. still actually a little Continue bit. On. My feelings are a Continue. little hurt that you're Continue still on. disappointed because I knew you that have. you were. And I was just, I mean, I thought we could say something nice to each other for once, but we can't. It's fine. Just watch. No. Uh, I really like absorbing the songs and absorbing what he has to say about it. Um, the second reason that I'm kind of taking my time is the prose that Bob Dylan lays down in this book is so, shall we say, kind of thick. It's a little like, yeah. it's wordy. It's very full of emotional and dark and sort of adjective heavy writing, especially the, especially the section where he's kind of in the second person narration, like... Uh, okay. Yeah, and uh, and and it seems to be like almost all of the narrators are in some sort of great pain or um, mm-hmm. what they feel they feel like a, like a dark kind of ambivalence. Like even the songs that kind of sound happy. Like um, uh, oh yeah yeah. I have a question. My oh. question is yeah. Help me. If Mick Ronson were laying down some tasty licks yeah, in the style of this prose, <laughs> yeah, what would it sound like. What would it sound like? It would be like, like no, 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 no. It would be more like it's very bluesy. Yeah, it's very bluesy. It's like with a maybe with a maybe with like a wah wah pedal and some really kind of like a little um actually a little bit of distortion like. That was a lot of Mick Ronson right there. Really. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it was. Okay, continue on. It Sorry was. To there. Uh, no problem. Um, the, the example that I was thinking of <clears throat> that I've read so far um, is uh, On the Road Again, a song you probably know by Willie oh. Nelson. Yep. On the Road Again, a very cheery. Just can't wait to get on the road yeah. again. I mean, it's clearly we like... We sang that for choir in middle school. We sang that in our middle school choir. This is, what I, th- this is a perfect example of what sort of the public and the uh, thinks about this song. Like, it's just a, like kids yeah. can sing it. He's, he's on the road again. He's out there... Yeah. Uh, seeing places that he's never seen. Going places that I've never been. Yeah, and I sing I this. Can't wait to get on the road again. I sing this in my music therapy practice all the time. People really like the song. It's really kind of an upper lifter, but not for Bob. Nope. That song's about a person who uh, says that he loves being on the road again, but it's just because he doesn't want to be home. He can't stand it. He can't stand to be home. He can't stand to be in one place. He can't stand to be. Yeah. 
And so uh, maybe maybe okay. Bob is probably talking about himself right now. Like maybe this guy, he he kind of puts himself into this narration of being, um, you know, restless and bored and he doesn't li- actually like his family or doesn't like being around them. So like, what do you do? You know, hey, oh, you- I'm a musician. I got to get on the road again, hon. You know, see you in a year or whatever. Can you write a book about Bob Dylan called The Never-Ending Tourist? <laughs> uh, uh-huh. That's not bad, Chaz. That's, good good. That's not bad. Can we pause Can we pause this and I'll go do that right now? Yeah, go write a book. Can I go okay. write a book? I'll right. do it. Pause everybody. Jake's going to write a book. I'm coming back. Uh, I will say that Bob very much picks songs generally that are, you know, kind of sinister in nature. Like a lot of that early rock and roll was not like sunny and cheery and happy. It was like... It was no. blues kind of transmorgified into something that sounded peppy, but it really wasn't. Uh, Elvis did that, you know, a lot. Uh, lot lots, of, lots of people did. So he, he picked a lot of those songs. Even some of the pop songs that were popular kind of have an undertone. And so I think he, I think he kind of picked a lot of those ones. Did he, did he pick any of those songs about, like, that's more 60s, that's 60s, though. The songs about my boyfriend, you know, dying in a horrible car accident or something? Yeah, there's a couple of that kind of thing, yeah. There's yeah. a lot. There's a lot of those. Yeah, there are. It was a, it was a thing. It yeah, was a thing. yeah. It was like the James Dean thing, like the tragic. Oh yeah. You know, too too cool to live or whatever. To you know. Well, I think about you know, I used to be a librarian, like a children's librarian, and yeah. I would have like high school girls or you know teenage girls ask me all the time, like, I want to read a sad book. Have you ever read any sad books? <laughs> That's no. Like, that just to me is like is what that is. It's, like it's Peter Pan or something. <laughs> That's sad. Peter Pan? No, 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 no. I'm they want joking. ones where people are in love and one of them dies. That's what they want. I mean, like Romeo and Juliet. Ever heard of that one, kid? Big, come on. You're not hipping with it with the kids. You're not on <laughs> MTV with the kids at all. I'm not. What is MTV? Can you tell me that? What is it? I want my MTV. I want my MTV. Uh, can I tell you? Uh, do you? I'll, I'll give you a choice here. Do you want me to? Do you want me to tell you the part I'm most fascinated about about this book now, or do you want me to wait till points? Um, tell me now. Tell you now. I'm okay. Into it. Okay. Pumped so, um, uh, sorry. I'll finish the last point by saying, like, his his prose is very like is very um, kind of dense and thick and stuff, and it get it actually wears on me a little bit to read that over and over and over again. Mm. So that's one of the, the other reasons that I'm taking my time. But I'm absolutely fascinated with this book to the point of like having my mind boggled um, at times and kind of my mind blown. So if you think about it kind of uh, from a bigger picture, kind of an umbrella uh, look down at this, this is America's mm. greatest living songwriter uh, yep. critiquing yeah. and explaining the music and the songs of other songwriters that are almost all of his contemporaries because he's been around, you know, he's been musically aware since like the early fifties, right? All the way up until now. Yeah. And so he's looking down on this. He is the one critiquing all of these things um, as if he never existed. So he, wow. he it's a like history universe stuff. There. It's a history of American song without Dylan in it, but Dylan is the one writing it. He's the only one attempting to sort of do it. Because you can't talk about American popular music without Bob Dylan, right? Right. Like right. at all. But he's the one doing yeah. it. He's the one doing it. So, but in every every once in a while, so far, 
he acts like he does exist, but he references a song of his like it's just an artifact of history and not like he wrote it or like he was the one that did it. So like one of the chapters has... Um, yeah, go ahead. Is he talking about himself in the third person? No, he but that? he's talking about a no. song okay. that he wrote and recorded without acknowledging that person. without acknowledging that he did it. So the it's example wild. that I'm thinking of most of all is that there was one song he was talking about, and 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 I and I will say like the reference, the other musical references that when he's talking about these songs come fast and furious. Like he'll he'll reference 10, 15 other artists and songs when he's talking about one of these songs. Okay. So in one of them, and I can't remember which one it was. I tried to look for it, and I just I couldn't I couldn't find it. I wish I'd have taken a picture or something. Um, he he's like talking about this song and he's like there's a little bit of elvis in there there's a little bit of fats waller in there there's a little bit of subterranean homesickness blues in there and then like comma and then he keeps going mm-hmm. but that's that's there's his a little song. bit of elvis in this song that's a little bit. That's so really doing i was i just thought that was i just think it's crazy like if uh i you know my mind is a little blown by it i will say it's his best writing so far, you know, that's book. it's also the first book that he's written since he won the uh, Nobel Prize for Literature. Extreme, <laughs> extreme air pro quotes. Uh, not oh, yeah. not that he won the award because of his books, but, you know, an, an American, uh, you know, poet laureate such as himself should probably put out some prose every once in a while. From time to time. You know, spend that $900,000 wisely. <laughs> okay. So it's uh, Let's let's move on to something that is uh, uh, tied to the release of the philosophy of modern song, and that is an interview that he did uh, with Jeff oh, Slate. This is the fun controversy. Uh, no, we're not to controversy town just yet. We're going to get to that. No, sorry. Uh, he did an interview with Jeff Slate from the Wall Street Journal. It dropped on his website, Bob Dylan's website, on December nineteenth, twenty twenty-two. So you and I were probably like getting ready for Christmas. Not Bob Dylan. He was dropping big old interviews and you know he doesn't do those very often truth bombs just just bombs of truth uh and of course uh he doesn't do this very often uh lend himself to these interviews but when he does it's usually a bit of a deal and he usually says something crazy but before we get to the point part where he says something crazy i'm just going to tell you a couple revelations from the interview uh you might be asking yourself how does bob dylan listen to music these days bob dylan's answer is you know you know, how does that. he? I mean, that's kind of a... He's 81 years old. Does How's, he stream? Uh, is it all he, record? He listens, to, he listens to music on CDs, satellite radio, and streaming. He does do a little bit of streaming. Uh, he also listens to music on exactly three tube record players that he bought in Oregon 30 years ago. Bet you didn't know that. <laughs> uh, you might be asking yourself, what kind of new music does he like? This is the air quote, new music that Bob Dylan likes. Right. <laughs> well, this is the guy that, uh, you know, chose back to cover him in 2006 or something, like as That's a right. hot young gunslinger. That's right. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. He really... <laughs> Only 15 years into his career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the new music he likes, and this is a direct quote, he likes both of the Oasis brothers. He likes them both. Uh, he's seen Metallica two times live. He's gone out of his way to see Jack White, the Wu-Tang Clan, Eminem, Nick Cave, and that young whippersnapper Leonard Cohen. Not alive anymore. <laughs> <clears throat> he also loves this one song by uh, 
uh, Duff McKagan, who I don't know if that rings a bell for you, but he was a member of Guns N' Roses. Um, okay. It's a song called Chip Away. Uh, Bob Dylan said that it has profound meaning to him and went on for about a half paragraph about how he loves it. I, I pulled that baby up on iTunes. Guess what? It's like yeah. the worst song I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> it's horrible. So I like that. Even in his interviews about other people's music, he yeah. can't help but just slip a couple turds in there. Oh, yeah. He turns it up. Just completely. Yeah. And you don't know if it's a joke or not. Which you got to wonder, Jake, is how many amazing songs did he not talk about because they just they started writing the chapters and they're just, you know, like on the cutting room floor. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he wrote. Maybe he wrote essay. Maybe there's another volume. Like he might have wrote and written essays. Now he didn't write essays about like, all of this Bob, music. You gotta include this one. You gotta include this is the best one here. And he's like, yeah. no, no, another <laughs> <laughs> something else from 1952. Please dial it up. Uh, he also <laughs> listens to. This is all in the same paragraph where it was like, what is he listening to lately? Lead Belly, The Carter Family. He threw in Dvorak. Why not? Uh, he later in the interview expressed his love for Frank Zappa. Great. And he loves Ringo Starr. He said if Ringo Starr was his drummer, he would have been as big as the Beatles. Maybe. Who knows? I mean, he was <laughs> he was kind of as big as the Beatles for a second there, but not really as big as the Beatles. Um, and throughout this interview, he has actually some very wonderful and very profound things to say about songwriting. Um, he has an encyclopedic recall of basically every pop musician from the last like 125 years. So I was thinking about how this interview was conducted. It was probably like an email exchange, like Jeff Slate sent him an email. Bob Dylan yeah. took a few minutes or however long it took him to come up with these answers. But regardless of how long it took him or how like not off the cuff it was, he is his references and like the way that he thinks about songwriting and musicians and music and what all this stuff means, like on a, on a really philosophical level is really, really, really profound. But Chaz, we, we here at Bowie versus Dylan don't care about that we care about the bat crap am i right yeah we care about the bat yep. crap and it was with a yeah. nice long form dylan interview there's going to be some bat crap and here's one of them oh yeah where do you go with it all right you're going to hear and it's going to be great uh jeff slate asked him and since everything is at our fingertips he means music and like streaming and stuff has streaming democratized music are we back to the days when Strangers in the Night can top paperback writer and paint it black on the pop charts? This is Bob Dylan's answer. We could very well be. There's a sameness to everything nowadays. We seem to be in a vacuum. Everything's become too smooth and painless. We jumped into the mainstream, the big river, with all the industrial waste, chemical debris, rocks and mud flow, along with Brian Wilson and his brothers, Soupy Sales and Tennessee Ernie Ford. The earth could vomit up its dead. <laughs> And it could be raining blood, and we'd shrug it off, cool as cucumbers. Everything's too easy. Just one stroke of the ring finger, middle finger, one little click. That's all it takes, and we're there. We've dropped the coin right into the slot. We're pill poppers, cube heads, and day trippers. Hanging in, hanging out, gobbling blue devils, black mollies, anything we can get our hands on. Not to mention the nose candy and ganja grass. <laughs> it's all too easy, too democratic. You need a solar x-ray detector just to find somebody's heart. See if they still have one. What do you think of that? <laughs> you like that? All right. What? That was that was superb. Yeah, superb. that's good. And he's not done. You want to ask him what he's right, been... Well, oh, what? I, my, my 
so he's getting kind of apocalyptic in the middle there. Yeah. And what it really made me think about, I was listening to Funkadelic earlier today. Oh, yeah. Okay. And the very start of Maggot Brain was like, Mother Earth is pregnant for the third time. For y'all have knocked her up. <laughs> I pasted the bag into the mind of the universe. I was not a fit. That kind of thing. Like, oh, yeah. It's like cosmically effed. We're all cosmically effed. Hey, Chaz, just not to mention not to mention the nose candy and ganja grass, okay? Don't even mention it. <laughs> I didn't. All right. Um, do you want to know what Bob Dylan's been watching on TV lately, like throughout the pandemic? What has he been binge watching? Yeah. You want to know? Sure. All right. He says, I've binge watched Coronation Street, Father Brown, and some early Twilight Zones. I know they're old-fashioned shows, but they make me feel at home. I'm not a fan of packaged programs or news shows, so I don't watch them. I never watch anything foul-smelling or evil. Nothing disgusting. Nothing dog-ass. I'm a religious person. I read the scriptures a lot, meditate and pray, light candles in church. I believe in damnation and salvation, as well as predestination. The five books of Moses, Pauline epistles, invocation of the saints, all of it. So that's what he's been watching on TV. So I like that his point about what he's watching on TV is exactly opposite of his point about what, what we're listening to. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, because he was listening, he was like, everything's the same and it's too homogenous and it's too happy and it's not ugly enough. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want to watch anything that's ugly. Uh-huh. I want to watch something that's <laughs> homogenous and the same. <laughs> right. It's called. Right. It might have been the ganja <laughs> grass. I say, I watched a lot of Twilight Zone during the pandemic until Netflix took it off. And that oh, was come on, Netflix. I was with there with you, Bob. I was with there. I was there you know right what? There. You and Bob, you're like this. You and a little Father Brown, too. He's not, I, I've, I actually, I've actually Brown heard too. I've heard of Father Brown. Um, and then yeah. the last question of the interview, uh, because in his book, he uh, in his acknowledgments page, he thanked the, the crew from Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. And everyone was like, what? You see what? So... Um, you know, Jeff Slate was all of us asking why. This is the last question of the interview. Why? Why is the crew from Dunkin' Donuts thanked? And it's the best answer I think that he's ever given to any question. He said because they were compassionate, supportive, and they went the extra mile. That's why. <laughs> hey, that you know, sounds like Dunkin' Donuts right there. Right? I mean, America runs on Dunkin'. So does Bob Dylan. I hope sincerely that 2023 <laughs> sees Bob Dylan become spokesperson for Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, me too. That me would, too. That would make my ear. Me too. You know what? I think we can all agree that that would be that would make everyone's yeah. ear. Yeah. Bob Dylan was like, "America runs on Dunkin'." <laughs> he sings some song about like the the Earth vomiting up its dead or something. About <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, dead, the dead are placated and happy because of Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' most foul. <laughs> yeah. All right, Chaz. You ready to go to controversy corner with me? I think it's, it's got two corners, right? It's got two corners. One's really short, and the other is, you know, it couldn't be a discussion. But you can you can chime in on the second one. because Let's it's... do the ugly corner first. Okay, so the ugly corner. Well, it's not ugly anymore. It was an ugly story because uh, he was um, uh, he was sued uh, by a woman who claimed that he sexually abused her when she was 12 in the mid-60s in the Chelsea Hotel yes. in New York. Um, and I think that I said on this podcast... Uh, back when that was brought up, that might have been like 2020 or something like that, um, that it was looking pretty unlikely that that was that could have been the case. 
based on the fact that everyone knows where these famous people were every day of their lives, especially in the 1960s. And it didn't seem like he was in New York at all. And so the, the lawsuit switched to like spring of 1965 or, or whatever year it was. And then it got thrown out by a judge with prejudice because they couldn't, uh, produce any evidence whatsoever. They kept changing their answers or something like that. So lawsuit is over. It can never be brought up again. Um, and so I guess we have to assume based on our legal uh, system that that uh, didn't happen or didn't happen the way that she said or whatever. So that got okay. dropped. We All don't right. have to worry about that. Like right. I wake up yes. in a cold sweat, as I'm sure you do, thinking to yourself, I sure hope that my guy is not like a horrible, you a know, horrible person. Yeah, well, like Bill Cosby or something like that. We don't need that. If it had been Bowie, it would have come out by now. So I would think so. I would think so. I mean, but there's all this statute of limitations stuff that comes up. Yeah, they, yeah. They drop that sometimes, and then everything comes up. Anyway, that got dropped. But I'll tell you about a real scandal that happened here, Chaz. Now we're talking. Oh, this is salacious, baby. This is <laughs> this is like, of all the this things. This is like a really bad heist movie. I will just tell you that a obscure online newspaper from the UK called I Newspaper, small I, <laughs> said that what I'm about to tell you about it says the Bob Dylan signature scandal could destroy his legacy forever. I don't even think of it. I refuse to say his name anymore, Jake. Can you even listen to a note of this man's music after what I'm about to say about him? I haven't, but I mean, <laughs> I, I probably could. <laughs> you could, but you wouldn't like it. You'd think, oh, this is tainted. This sounds dirty. It would, it would turn to ash in my ears. Absolutely. All right. So um, this also involves a uh, big year for Bob Dylan writing books. Philosophy of Modern Song comes out. His publisher, Simon & Schuster, advertised 900 hand-signed copies of the book at $599 a pop. And guess what? They sold out pretty darn quick. Everybody wants a signed copy of Bob Dylan's yeah. book. It had inside of it a letter of authenticity uh, saying that this signature, true and indeed, is Bob Dylan's. Enjoy it. Please give us $600. Within, this is what I, kind of what I think is really funny. This is a very modern story because within, I don't know, 17 hours of the books arriving at everyone's <laughs> doorstep, everyone figured out immediately and got online that they were not signed by Bob Dylan. They were signed probably by an auto pen. So Bob Dylan didn't sign these books. Well, yeah, there weren't there, like a certain number of variations. There were seventeen different variations. This all came out shockingly fast. Like everyone figured uh-huh. it out at the exact same time. They opened the book. They're like, "Oh man, Bob Dylan touched." Oh wait, no, he didn't. This is clearly not. <laughs> this is clearly not <laughs> his I, signature. Talk about it online right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get online here real quick. And they did, and they figured it out. And so for about two hours, Simon and Schuster was like, "We don't know what you're talking about." Of course they're, of course they're the real signature. And then like. Three hours after that, they had to issue a apology because it was clear to that. So they said, to those who purchased the Philosophy of Modern Song limited edition, we want to apologize. And then uh, it, what, what it should say right here is because we got caught, but it doesn't. As it turns out, <laughs> the limited edition books do contain Bob's original signature, but in a penned replica form. We didn't know. We are addressing this immediately by providing each purchaser with an immediate refund right now. 
Like as you read it, you get refunded somehow. I'm not sure how that works. Wow. So just like six six C's are just dropping in your bank account. Yeah, just like as soon as you read that six sentence. Six Benjamins all in a row. Six Bennies. That's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> Plus you get to keep the fake signature version of the book. Boom. This worked out good for which, everybody. Which might be worth more now at this point. You know, it might be. I didn't think of that. Uh uh, I mean, thing, it's incredibly limited. A lot of people have Bob Dylan's real signature. How many people? Only nine hundred people have his fake signature. I mean, only only those people, only those people, and they got it for free, free. I know. Boom. Um, so Bob Dylan wasn't clearly. I mean, he never has anything to do with anything about anything. <laughs> like he doesn't know anything about this. Okay, but this controversy like got a little bit heated. It was all anybody was talking about in the in the music publishing world for a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of back and forth, like, of course this happens. People people do this all the time, but they don't generally charge an exorbitant amount for their signatures. Like, usually signatures, right. you go to a, a book reading or whatever, and the author gives you his signature or her signature for free. That's how they usually work. Right. But it's Bob Dylan's I signature. Colin I Colin Malloy's signature on a couple books he wrote. Yeah. Just by doing that exact thing. Yes. Right there. Exactly. And so it costs me nothing. It costs you nothing, and you get to see your person, and like everyone's everyone's happy. You bought the book; they're I happy. I know it was an auto because I watched him do it in real life. Yeah, but or was it a hologram signing that book? <gasps> You're shocking me, Jake. <laughs> blowing my mind. Right well, now. I think everyone Never was a. I think everyone about this auto pen thing was a lot more shocked than um, than Bob Dylan or probably Simon and Schuster were expecting because Bob Dylan himself, and by that I mean there's no way he wrote this apology, apologized. <laughs> there's no way. If you tell me, you tell me if this sounds exactly like Bob Dylan because I thought that it did. Here's his apology, which came out, I don't know, a couple weeks after this happened. Like somebody in his camp was hounded or bothered enough by this to actually give a shit because usually he doesn't. It says, <laughs> to my fans and followers, right there, boom, that's him. Already I've, not him. No. I've been made aware that there is some controversy about signatures on some of my recent artwork prints and on a limited edition of Philosophy of Modern Song. I've hand-signed each and every art print over the years, and there's never been a problem. Now, this is in reference to the fact that people are getting a little worked up because he signs all of his paintings, and those go for between three and $15,000, partially oh, because yeah, he has signed right. them. So it's like, did now, you? What about his gates? Does he does he sign his gates? His. <laughs> well, yeah. You think I don't listen, Jake? But I listen with oh, an I auto listen. pen, doy. Okay, this is where <laughs> an it gets auto jackhammer. <laughs> jackhammer. It's kind of a problem in the uh, the welding industry that auto jackhammering. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bob says. However, in 2019, I had a bad case of vertigo, and it continued into the pandemic years. It takes a crew of five working in close quarters with me to help enable these signing sessions, and we could not find a safe and workable way to complete what I needed to do while the virus was raging. So during the pandemic, it was impossible to sign anything, and the vertigo didn't help. With contractual deadlines <laughs> looming, the idea of using an auto pen was suggested to me, along with the assurance that this kind of thing is done, quote, all the time in the art and literary world. Okay, then he says, oh, using... Uh, uh, oh, I'm so sorry. Using a machine was an error in judgment, and I want to rectify it immediately. I'm working with Simon & Schuster. I bet he doesn't even know the name of his publishing company. I will bet my life. And my gallery partners... <laughs> and my gallery partners to do just that. With my deepest regrets, comma, 
Bob Dylan. Wow. No. Wow. I mean, what a, just, what a, what a, what a wonderful man. What a, a warm and loving <laughs> individual. That is. What a weird cop out. I had vertigo. Who Usually, not writing in strange elliptical apocalyptic language. Yeah. That sounds like it was taken from Kerouac on drugs. <laughs> That's so like William S. Burroughs, maybe, without the sex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but still with the drugs. But still with the drugs, definitely. Definitely with and the drugs. And giant centipedes and whatnot. <laughs> Flying through the air, having sex. Um, so, so that happened. That was I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Bob never really gets taken to task. Even I mean, there's all this stuff about him plagiarizing everything over the years, uh, but it uh, it does it hasn't really warranted him making an apology. I thought that was kind of no, I, I mean, thought that was kind of odd. Like this, it didn't even warrant him not getting a Nobel Prize. You know? Yeah, I mean, they can't take that back. I don't think. They probably can. They, they probably, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they wanted to give it to him. He just didn't want it. Uh, okay. Wait, we got and any the, more Bob business here? Or we where are we at here? I think I got one more Bob business because it was announced. It was announced in 2022 that the bootleg series volume 17, which is called right, right. Fragments, fragments of what? You'll have to find out. You'll have to listen to find out. <laughs> uh, it was. Uh, it was announced in November. Uh, usually, these Bob Dylan uh, bootleg series come out around Thanksgiving or a little bit after. But due to like supply chain, this no. and that, and the other thing, what? I have a question for you. Now, who slipped you the uh, the sweet deets before it was officially announced? Chaz, you did. You slipped yeah. me the sweet deets. I, you did. You sent me that markup of the artwork, <laughs> and it looked almost exactly like the real artwork. I was, I you know, I was <laughs> waiting on pins and needles. For not the real news, but your news about the fake news about the real news. You know what I mean? <laughs> it wasn't fake. It was real. <laughs> it was real. It was so, so real. And obviously, I can't really talk about this uh, release because it didn't come out. It didn't come to my door until January 17th, 2023. Mm. But I wanted to just give you a sense of what I was thinking about when I heard the news and the track listing and all that stuff. Just... Just a few little nuggets here, you know? Uh, a few things I noticed upon... Charlie is so boss. That's yeah. I was th- that, uh, that's one through five on my nuggets. Charlie's so boss. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just thought, I think it's an interesting release, and there were some things I noticed about it that I think pretend maybe a different future for the bootleg series, or some things that are a little different about this release... Oh that hadn't been uh, hadn't been coming up in previous bootleg series. So I'm going to tell you those nuggets right now, and then I'm going to let you go. rock on. Number one, this release contains Dylan's first ever remixed album. He has never wow. had a remix of one of his albums put out. He's had a couple remasters, but not even that yeah. you know, very often. Um, no, as opposed to Bowie, yeah. up to like... <laughs> right. 42 remixed albums, even though he only released 28. Yeah, in stark contrast to Bowie, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so many. Uh, this, this, uh, this, uh, this got me thinking a couple things. I mean, first, that's very interesting. Um, but secondly, it got me mostly thinking that everyone hates Daniel Lanois a lot. Because... <laughs> this... Brainy, Brainy Eno doesn't. No, no, they're buddies. They're for sure buddies. Uh, so the myth, or not the myth even, the legend surrounding Time Out of Mind, which is the album that this bootleg series concerns, is that Lanois and Dylan 
somehow like created this masterpiece while simultaneously hating each other and every second uh, that they were together they were that's just like us Jake that's how boy still if we were in the same room we'd be fist fighting all the time we'd just be punching each other it would be like (laughs) (laughs) that would be the whole podcast and there'd be like a little music playing like after these messages uh, well we fought yeah yeah and like all of our fist fighting is in fast motion really fast motion <laughs> exactly and we're running into rooms and stuff Oh, so so fun. Uh, but uh, so Dan, uh, Lanois is not involved in this uh, this bootleg series whatsoever. And there's a lot of like really sort of side eye or uh, whatever you call it comments about how like this is not to take away from the masterpiece that is the original Time Out of Mind, but 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 we really actually want to make it good this time. And what's funny about this is that. <laughs> Bob Dylan's Time Out of Mind won three Grammys, including Record of the Year. <laughs> so mm-hmm. everyone's like, you know, Lanois, uh, we appreciate you completely resurrecting Bob Dylan's career. We we loved all the exposure we got from getting, you know, being awarded the best album of the entire year at the Grammys and blah, blah, blah. But, you, like, but we hate you. Due to the weird Grammy rules, it would have won Record of the Year two or three years in a row. <laughs> You know, if they could have done that for it, they would. And that's that's a lot to do with you. But honestly, like, don't talk to us anymore. Nothing. But nothing to do with you. We hate you. We don't like you. We hate you. We wish that you had never made that career-altering album. Get out of here. <laughs> okay, number two, uh, number second nugget, there's two discs of alternate takes. Um, and instead of, usually the bootleg series just, like, when they put when they put the outtakes out, it's like six songs in a row of the song that they're doing the outtakes of. So it'd be like uh, Visions of Johanna, seven different versions. And I never yeah, really yeah. thought about it this way, but that's kind of annoying. Like I always wanted to make like a best of uh, playlist of the, of sure, the, uh, sure. you know what I mean? And so they kind of did that. They did it in chronological order and they broke up the songs. So that you're kind of listening, you have a different listening experience and I'm, I'm into it. Yeah, cool. All right. Third nugget. There's a live CD of each song on the album done live at the time that uh, he was on tour. He's never done anything like that from before. not the same either. shows, right? No, not from the same shows. I thought that was cool. Has, has Bowie ever done anything like that? No. No, he hasn't. I mean, it's kind of amazing. Uh, and the fourth nugget is that there are five discs in this set, but the fifth one is just previously released material from a different bootleg series. If you'll recall, bootleg series. They were not... upfront about it, though, you know. Yeah, no, no, they no, no. Like they that. they weren't. Uh, yeah, they no, there was nothing sneaky about it, but they did charge you for an extra CD. You know, this wasn't a, this was a bit of a pricey set. Mm. It read, you know, it started out at like 140 bucks. I think you can get it for like 100 now, but 140 bucks for five CDs, that's uh, that's pricey, Chaz. So <laughs> I always thought it was odd. Bootleg series number eight had this really weird year span. It was 1989 through 2006, which is a, just a bizarre... That's weird. It's a very weird thing, including some stuff out of time out of mind. So they imported that onto the Fragments box set, and I'm fine with it. Obs. And I'll tell you next year, 
all about it, about my listening experience with it. But for now, Chaz, I think it's high time that you talked about David Bowie. I can hardly even wait for another year, Jake, to hear more about the sweet nuggets. You look hey. like you could wait. Maybe I could. <laughs> it's Let's possible. kick things off, Jake, it's possible. with some Bowie's Fat Stats. Bowie's Fat Stats. Hit us with some so, stats. I've been I've been uh, tallying Bowie's Fat Stats since 2016. I go back to 2016. Yeah, of course you do. Uh, of course. And I'd like to let you know how many releases there were in each year. So just really quickly. From 2016? 2016? All right. 2016, there were 32. 32 releases. In 2017? Yes. In 2017, what? there were 36. Oh, my gosh. Okay. 2018, there were 36. Yeah. 2019, down to 27. Only. 2020, back up to 31. Bo boom. 2021, a career low of 2022. Of twenty-two, not oh. really low, a, oh. a death low. How did you? How did you survive it? In twenty twenty-two, there were sixty-five. Shut. Wait, no. No, Six no. Hold on here, Jake. I'm. I'm gonna. I've got a to be fair. Dot. 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 Next thing on my notes. All right. So, thank to be you. Fair included breakouts from both the Brilliant Adventures box set and the Brilliant Live Adventures box set. Breakouts. What so does that, that counts for like twenty-four of those right there. Okay. And by breakouts, there were a lot of weird like reissues on you know Atmos, surround whatever you know, those yeah things. yeah 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 streaming yeah. and stuff. So it's yeah anyway. It actually uh, that's still felt impressive. Like a little bit more of a a leaner year to be honest because of major releases were 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 less. Uh huh. But there were lots of reissues in one form or another, whether it be unnecessary vinyl, colored vinyl, Boom. picture discs. My favorite. Uh, my favorite. One of them cassette. Type of my favorite. Um, there was several of them. Yes, they were were re-released on some kind of like it's not even not it's experiential or what is that? What are the phrase they the words they're using all the time now for this not quite surround sound? But oh, uh, oh, I know what you're know. talking about. They say it every time yeah. you buy headphones now too. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, you just shout it out when you think. About okay, it. it'll, it'll Here come are the to albums me. that that were re-released. The Dave Bowie albums that were re-released in 2022. <clears throat> this is studio albums. Space Oddity, Hunky Dory, Ziggy Stardust, Low, Heroes, Tim Machine 2, Black Tie White Noise, Buddha of Suburbia, Outside, Earthling, Hours, Toy, which had only been released for the first time earlier the same year, Heathen, <laughs> Reality, The Next Day, and Black Star. Wait. Also, includes live albums, Live in Berlin, Ouvre la Chienne, No Trendy Réchauffé, Live in Well.com, Look at the Moon, Something in the Air, Live to the Kit Kat, and a reality tour. These were all re-released? What these are re-released in some form or another. What? Some of them digital only. Also, seven singles and EPs. Whoa, I had no idea. They can't even. I mean, I hear about the big releases. Really, I never hear about those. They weren't big releases. They didn't make them big releases because they weren't big releases, which is good. But why are That's they? Good. Why are they? They're just. Why are they doing that? Because they're the Bowie camp. This is what they do. <laughs> oh. what, a, what a ridiculous question, Jake. <laughs> I don't what? know. I'm just mystified. I don't know how to look at you right now. Uh, like, well, I don't even know what to say, Jake. You know what? You and Have me, we, we come, we come from... For, for several years? We come from different worlds, Chaz. I just, I still don't understand well, what your camp does. You know, my camp doesn't do this. <laughs> at all. The worlds are colliding a little bit this year. Okay. But before they do, let's talk about the first major release of the year, which was... The toy box. Oh, the toy box. What they've been waiting this whole time just to re release it under that name. 
Oh my Honestly. gosh, I'm pretty sure that was the whole point in making this into a box set. Absolutely. So it's like, we gotta make it a box, guys. We gotta. Hey, we must. So this was actually at its first release in late 2021 in the uh, Brilliant Adventures box set. But if I'm remembering correctly, I decided to leave it for points for this year. Okay, I think so. And I have a note here that says, the rules, they are a bending. <laughs> oh no, I can't have yeah. bent rules. Toy was a lost album, much welcome. We talked about it a lot at different times yes. throughout the run. Um, so I'm really glad that it came out because it was, you know, a lost album. Bowie's truest lost album. I mean, if Dylan had a lost album, I would hope that it came out. He does have a few yeah, lost well, albums, probably. Yeah, I'm sure he does. So it includes a a mix of things. It's a three-disc box set for an album that had not been previously released, so which is that's confusing. Okay. So disc one includes the unreleased album. Yep. Good. Hey, not mean right? so far yeah, so good. good. So far so good. Disc two includes some extra tracks from the sessions. Good, good. Yeah, yes. yeah, oh, absolutely. Hey, I'm happy. Good. I'm happy. Disc two also includes some already existing different mixes that were already previously released as by B sets and stuff. Sure, Fine. completest. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you got to complete it. Completest. Yep. Yeah. The third disc includes <laughs> an entire album remix for some reason. No. Nope. An album that's new. They never had never come out yet. <laughs> <laughs> they never come out. So we remixed an album that hadn't come out yet. Okay, I'm lost. I'm... Okay. So Dylan got his first remix, and Bowie got his, like, I don't know. I didn't count it up. I should have counted it up. Ninth or something? I don't know. A lot. Several oh, remixes. Oh, man. And how about, I mean, that, was, that probably wasn't, like, that much money, though, right? Like, that's a, is that a sensible release? Or was that it one lot? wasn't that bad. I think that one was... <coughs> 35, 40 on yeah, 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 they yeah, didn't yeah, do yeah. A, They don't think they did a vinyl version of it, so I was I was able to stomach that. No, they did do a vinyl version, but whatever. Yeah, you I don't need buy, that. I bought the CD version. Yes. No, no, not for that. No. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Um, but most notable about Toy, I think, is the the world's worst cover. Yeah, I yeah. I mean I see it in so my if, dreams and my nightmares all the time. Do night, yeah. So if somehow you've never seen the cover for Toy, first of all, pause the show to search for David Bowie Toy and see when you see a, like, picture of a kid who has David Bowie's adult face yeah. photoshopped on it. The baby is also David Bowie, by the way, as yeah, a baby. Yeah, right. It's not a kid. It's a baby. It's a baby. Well, I guess it's more of a kid. I mean, like... What do we got? Nice. Can I look at it again? Jake and I mean, I guess the know. kid, the kid can. Oh, it's so disgusting. Like the kid. The, I'm gonna put this up, and then I'll talk as this cover for the next couple minutes here. Can Just you make his little? little can you make his little mouth move? That would be even scarier. Oh, it's really close now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello, Jake. Oh, hello, Jake. That'd be like a Terry Gilliam thing. I can yes. see him doing that in money. Anyway, uh, oh, not only did they decide to use now, and I here's the thing: this a cover is awful. Yep. But it is the cover that Bowie himself designed and wanted on this album. Okay. So I do not begrudge them having used it. Nope. For the album. Nope. But what but do, do but what do you begrudge them about? I begrudge them because the box, the the box itself has yep. an image. Also makes self sense. Sure. The regular album itself has an image. Yep. Makes sense. Yep. But then also, the alternates and extras has the exact same image. Yep. And the whole album <laughs> remix has exactly the same image. Yep, yep, yep. You're and right about that. The only thing that changed was in small letters at the top, they said different <laughs> things. That's it. Otherwise, 
It is beyond imagination what they were thinking. That's four times in this packaging that exact same image was used. Did he? You, you don't think that you don't think that Bowie like stipulated if you ever were to put out a super deluxe edition of this, you have to put that on each disc. Why did they do that? No, I don't know. I I, I don't know why we have three discs of toy when we you know have never even got a deluxe edition of Low. Like we got our first deluxe edition of <laughs> Dory this year also, but yeah. also toy. But that <laughs> was you didn't year. even but you didn't even know about that when you got toy you were still like i was just no. listening to our i was still listening to our podcast from last year and you were like talking you were just like going on and on about there's no there's nothing from uh your favorite bowie albums from the early 70s you know what i mean oh, well no hunky dory no, no ziggy things, and that did change but you didn't know things thing. are going up things are things are looking up here all right but before <laughs> they look up they're gonna look up a little further down okay all right let's look i'm, I'm ready we're gonna look at record store day oh rsd Records straight up. Bowie's famous for his Records Store Day releases. He sure. releases a lot of stuff. He's only missed one year ever. Mm. Um, a lot of it's exclusive. He's frequently like the best-selling artist of Records Store Day. He happens all the time. Okay. Um, but his, uh, his his releases for this year were two EPs. Fine. I like an, I like a good EP. I can handle that. Who doesn't like a good EP? One of them was called the Brilliant Adventures EP. Uh-huh. Which noting that he had a box set earlier that year, like in the previous year, called yeah. the Brilliant Adventures box uh-huh. set. And the other one was called the Toy EP. Oh, no. And keep in mind, we just talked about the, the toy box set. Uh-huh. And so they all had, well, there were some unreleased tracks in there, but, um, and actually the Brilliant Adventures one had a couple interesting things in there. But the toy one didn't really have that much of interesting there. But most notable is that not only did they steal the names from these box sets, they stole the titles, the names, and they stole the covers also. So at this time, <laughs> I'd like to pull for you, Jake. I can't show the people at home, but I can show you the toy EP, oh. <laughs> which has exactly the same cover again. He's not lying, folks. Notable. He's not lying at all. That this cover also had appeared in the Brilliant Adventures box set. It's the same <laughs> cover again. So within six months, I had to buy the worst cover ever six times. I won six times of this. This is... Yeah. And none of them are, are like repeats. They're, none of them are like repeat, you know? Actually, that's true. The exact the album is on Brilliant Adventures box and the toy box. What? Anyway. My what's gosh. the worst about this of all, though, Jake? This is like Brilliant Live Adventures style terrible. Is these two EPs that have the exact same cover and exact same title. Yeah. Neither one of them, the CD version, fits inside those box sets. No. It's completely different size. No. No, of course not. So I know not. I'm only showing you, Jake, but yeah, and I've seen I can't, like, folks. I've seen I've um, seen this cover now like twelve times. Charlie talked <laughs> the, as it for a while. This is the box version. This is the one in front. Is the EP is notably longer. It is and shorter. It is. Yep. It's it's, it's it, one of the yeah. fit inside the box sets. It's not just taller. I probably do, but not on CD. I don't. I don't. I I. I don't know. Can you guarantee that the the, the vinyl might not fit either? No, I can't guarantee that. I just didn't, I don't remember anybody complaining about it online. Oh, okay, All the CD yeah, yeah. owners were complaining about it. I don't remember the, the vinyl complaining, people complaining. You and 10 other people that still buy CDs, like me? <laughs> Whatever. Well, you were on there complaining, too, if I remember right. <laughs> I was. I'm complaining on your behalf. It's a, It's an outrage. Thanks. Thanks. It's Thanks. an outrage. Not even joking. All right, what else we got here? We got... All right, all right. One little thing here is some streaming-only, or digital-only, 
remix EPs from the tracks from Earthling from 1997 came out. Definitely. Um, it's not like they were going to be awful, but they actually were. There was some like there was some choice. I listened to all of them, and there were a couple of them that were. Mm. There were some choice cuts in there. Oh. There really interesting ones in there. Okay. There were six completely unreleased remixes in there. It was remastered and everything. But they did uh, Telling Lies, Little Wonder, Another Little Wonder, because there were a lot of remixes for Little Wonder, Dead Man Walking, I'm Afraid of Americans, and then the lost, sort of lost track fun that came back and with a bunch of remixes. Anyway. Okay. I'm just going to, that's all I got to say about that. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to gloss it over, Jake. Yep. Yep, we're you're glossing. just gonna you're gonna sweep it under the proverbial rug, you know. Just it's out we're of just here. Straight glossing. Glo- we be glossing. We be glossing. We be glossing. Let's get serious, Jake, here for just a minute. Okay. Let's uh, let's get real serious. Okay, okay? I'm ready. Let's talk about a little something <laughs> by the name of Moon Age Daydream. Moon Age now, here, Daydream. I have a tale as old as time. Uh huh. It's about two young, brilliant podcasters yeah, absolutely. who just want to make a difference in the world Yeah, and just want to make 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 a content for our loving followers. Yeah, we let, love them you know, children. We love them as much as our own children. Level up, children. level up a little bit, you know? We Let's level we up. Just as much. And so we have this <laughs> podcast that we hadn't, you know, have now been updating about two or three times a year for the last couple of years. Yeah. Because we, you know, used it all up. And completely out of nowhere, we get an email from somebody representing Brett Morgan, who is an Oscar-nominated director of most famously uh, that uh, Nirvana or Kurt Cobain documentary, Montage of Heck. Yeah, which is great. Too. And directed this big new Bowie documentary called Moon Age Daydream. And yeah. they asked us to, uh, if we wanted to interview him. Before it came and out. We like, this is before it came out. Yeah. Sounds amazing. Yes, let's interview him. Yeah. And so I was emailing him back and forth and figuring out time. We were freaking out. We were talking all hours, like yeah. about how we were gonna do it and everything. Yep. We had all kinds of ideas. We thought it'd be super fun. Yeah. Um, and then every time I emailed back, it took them like six days to respond. Uh-huh. So I would take like six hours to respond and they would take like six days. <laughs> yep. And so we gave up at least four independent times yep. thinking, well, it didn't yeah. work out. And how many and times then- how many times I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm thinking back on this and how much of a roller coaster it was. How many times did we coaster. email that we thought it was gonna, actually going to happen? Like how long did we think it was actually going to happen? It was I don't a little. Know, it was, every time every time we gave up, then they emailed us again. Like, well, right. Three days later. Right. And then at some point you were like, "I'm done." But every time they emailed us back, I was but like, then "Oh, they it's going to happen." Back again. I'm like, "All right." <laughs> I mean, I give it up. I was like really weary by the end. So oh it yeah. Didn't didn't happen. It was yeah. like, okay, because we actually had a date scheduled at one point. We did. And then they're like, oops, sorry, got to reschedule. Yeah. To the point where uh, we had decided that it would be really be coolest if we were in person, if the two of us were together. When we Easily the morning. coolest. So I bought a plane ticket to go fly out to to, uh, to see Jake in Washington That's right. State. That's right. And what and happened, then though? They, they changed it. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't change the flight. They changed the interview. No. The interview that no, never was. I had to was. change the flight. I had to change the yeah. flight. <laughs> <laughs> you changed the flight. It was at a different time. It was fun. Anyway. It was fun. All of that <sighs> left, you know, a bad taste in my mouth for, for poor Moon Age Daydream. I know. Though I did go to see it. Yeah, you did. I did go to see it in preparation for the interview that didn't happen. Yeah. You weren't you weren't uh, bummed about it then. You were very excited. I was excited about you it. Know? And so I would like I would like to explain just how excited I am. And the best way I know how, Jake, yeah. is through the following clips recorded 
actually during the experience of going to the movie in the theaters and seeing it at IMAX. Wow. And so we're going to go take a little trip back to whatever, September or whatever month it came out. I think it came out in September. Yep. And I'd like you to listen to, to these clips about what happened. Boots on the ground, viral reporting from one. Yeah, I was on location. Sorry. Absolutely. On location reporting here. On location. Okay, here they are. This is Charlie from Boy vs. Dylan. I'm reporting from the parking lot at the AMC IMAX Theater in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, where I'm about to go in and see Moon Age Daydream, the documentary directed by Brett Morgan about David Bowie. Super excited. I'm going to keep you up to date as I slowly make my way into the theater, and then maybe it starts after that. Bye. Bye, Chaz, but hello, listeners. Bowie versus Dylan. This is Jake from Bowie versus Dylan. And I'm just going to interject here after each one of Charlie's little voice memos that he sent me way back in September of 2022 because I don't think I want to listen to him talk that much in a row about David Bowie and Moon Age Daydream. Back to the program. All right, this is Charlie again. I just went to the bathroom. We're trying to figure out where there might be beer because we've heard that there might be beer at this theater. And then we're going to go find the theater we're supposed to be in. Still super excited. Bye. Okay, Charlie, I take it all back. I'm so sorry. Drinking beer while watching movies is a great American pastime, and I truly hope that past you from September 2022 found yourself a beer. All right, this is Charlie. I'm in the IMAX theater. You can probably hear some sound in the background there. The movie's not started. We're in some weird previews and things. You know how it goes. Here with my pal Brandon. Say hi, Brandon. Yo, yo, yo. Yep, that was Brandon right there. So now we are just, we had our popcorn and red pop. We were ready to go. We're going to get a beer, but they don't have beer yet. So that was unfortunate. So there's a reason we're the only ones who want a beer at 1 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. Don't know. <laughs> I know. It's because I think you're both raging alcoholics. Holy crap. It's about to start. I got to stop talking now. Oh, no, Chaz. Anything but that. Please don't stop talking. Oh, who will keep motoring on about David Bowie and Moon Age Daydream while you're not talking? All right, just emerged from first viewing of Winnie's Daydream. Feeling kind of amazed right now. Words from Brandon. Brandon, what'd you think? I think I understand the spirit of Bowie a little better. I would say that after knowing very little to nothing. Hey, that was a really good thing to say. Um, and how do you think you like Bowie better or Dylan better? Just wondering. Um, Bowie when I went in and Bowie when I'm leaving. Yeah, that's yeah. that's right. It was a pretty incredible movie. Very, like, immersive. Very experiential. We did the IMAX things, the full surround sound, big screen, all kinds of stuff. A feast for the eyes and ears, I would say. Would you agree? I definitely do. Feast for the eyes and ears. You heard it from Brandon agreeing with me, who you heard it from me. So long. <laughs> well, all I really have to say about that is that Brandon, whoever you are, you can shut your beautiful mouth. But I'm thinking about I was thinking about artists that I was connected to, and I just heard his rock stuff. And uh, I listened to Breaking Benjamin today. Okay. Not quite as connected, not quite as artistic. No. But um, James Maynard Keenan from Tool. Okay. And I love the band A Perfect Circle, who he's created now. Okay. And I'm obsessed with that band. And he has dressed in just a bra and panties. He's done all those things in the hard rock scene. Uh -huh. And seeing the androgynous nature of Bowie and seeing what in Tool, what this guy has created in the metal rock uh -huh. world as like almost a more accepting thing which is typically more masculine yeah. yep. it's amazing with this other artist he's also kind of older these days you know uh -huh. tools an old band so i just was drawing some of that essence there for him i'm wondering if he was ever inspired by that 
I probably did his own thing. <laughs> you know, all those guys were. You know, well, and you, if you think about yeah. other people, like it's kind of in that same class. Yeah. Like Marilyn Manson, who did a yes. lot of that same yes. stuff there. Yes. He's very clearly. He's mentioned his. You know, how influenced he was by Bowie. I'm just be curious. Um, a lot of those guys were Trent Reznor. Nine was like, yeah, has talked a lot about how, and they worked together. Yeah, they toured amazing. together That's in amazing. 1995. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, where was that footage from? That that Which was, footage? was that the footage we were watching in there with more, more recent rock show. Essentially, that was 90s. Uh, I thought it was yeah. early 2000, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe even. But no, not. I didn't see any footage. I didn't. I don't know that I caught anything between 97 and 2015. Yeah. Okay. Huge. Like, gap. There's a big jump there. Yep. So the last footage, the most recent footage I saw of him performing was 95. Yeah. He didn't tour after, he stopped touring in 2004 anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't have anything from that final tour. Or yes. the tours in between. Yeah, yeah. Do you think there's things of note that were missing from that modern, more modern stuff that... I don't know. I don't know if that was what they were trying to say. I mean, yeah. it's a biography, and it was, you know, had some kind of loosely... Yeah linear story like it was following his yeah, life yeah, going was, forward yeah. but it already started in 1972 with Ziggy Stardust like and the stuff where they're showing was mostly tour stuff it was a well after the album that had been released mm-hmm. so they already skipped Hunky Dory they already skipped Space Oddity which mm-hmm. made it in there but they didn't you know show stuff in that period or very yeah. little there was a little there were some clips from early from. 69 that was yeah. about it okay and they really you know heavily went through the 70s that was skipped over didn't do as much with the soul period went to the early 80s with Let's Dance and then moved up to the 90s, pretty much. There was some other stuff in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, it was like the last, the tens of stuff ended about 95. How long was he um, married to, the, I guess you said second wife? Is that, yeah, Iman? The, the love that he gave Yeah, yeah, yeah. They that... got married in 93. And they were married until he died. Oh, they were, okay. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely loveless life. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my gosh, yep, that's yep, beautiful. Yep. Okay, good. I wasn't sure if yeah, the yeah, love no, story was no, real. Absolutely. Oh, that's beautiful then. No, All right. Those two were like... Yeah. Uh, do you know what I was most struck by is that this film shows some big swings in his viewpoints, right? Like yeah. From early on to later, which is natural for any artist, right, mm-hmm. to go through progressions. But um, he became what the biggest one that was like the harshest that seemed fast. Tell me if the years were shorter. In the uh, in the eighties, he turned to this hyper positive. I'm yeah. gonna basically join the people, and when they made that comment of the people were like on stage instead of him always being ahead of the crowd. Uh-huh. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was a great comment. Um, but that was like. Then he immediately was starting to regret it. It felt it immediate yeah. in the film. Okay. You know? It felt immediate in the film, and it wasn't in real life. Okay, I mean, okay. Most of what we saw was from... Here, let me get out of the way. Most of what we saw from the early 80s was from 83, okay. 84. A lot of it was from this documentary called Ricochet. Okay. Which and that filmed. was a positive time for him? That yes. Was and that's what he's got. Well, he's got the dyed blonde hair and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. It was still a lot of, like, him moody looking off into, yeah. you know... Which I, it felt a little staged because it was a little staged, but yeah, it went from there to touched on some of the stuff in the '80s. You know, you briefly see a clip from Labyrinth and from yeah. the movie Absolute Beginners and some of his tour stuff from 1987. But the other stuff where he's saying about how you know he lost his artistic muse or whatever, you know, started doing what he thought that people wanted to see right, rather right. than what he wanted to do. Like that's not until early mid 90s really okay yeah it's okay. really about 93 so, is when he's starting to move back years later different. then yeah because it just sounded like so full of regret so which you yeah. don't hear from him he doesn't yeah. have a lot of regret yeah. he just keeps doing the thing mm-hmm. and positivity is not a regrettable action no but he seemed to have regretted that the most yeah. is the way this portrayed that and that was 
I don't know. Well, sometimes I sometimes wish it would work for an artist to just go right. into full-on joy and life is yeah. good, right? And it works for some people. It does sometimes. Lizzo, we're looking at you right now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but I thought it was interesting with that because that's just—it's always called, you know, referred to as a sellout period. You know, yes, this time we're exactly. doing this stuff. But I thought it was interesting when he said he said something like, uh, "Yeah, I don't begrudge any artist an audience." Yes, right. And like the way they actually thought it made it made it feel more positive. Not like he was just selling out and wanted the money or something. It was more like he was trying to do something different. Yep. And like he shouldn't be, you know, mad that he has a an audience that he's more popular than. Yeah. Like that shouldn't be something we should be. It's saying, clever, hey, you sold out. It's a clever spin on words, too, to move from money to audience. Because yeah. it's the same. They're the yeah. same thing. Yep. They, they go together. But it is true, right? Aren't we right. meant to reach people with, yeah. with art? Yeah. Um, my wife is a dancer, you know. Like, she was constantly... We got bitter and we moved away from the art scene. Because dance can't reach that many people in the yeah. end. And so it was very frustrating, right? All that work and energy you put into your art. And yeah. you reach, like, ten people some nights. Like... We've all seen it, right? Yeah. In theater yep. and like different musical yep. I've acts. I've experienced in theater and yeah. art and music. Yep. Yeah, and you're like, mm-hmm. well, I, what if I could reach Podcasting, that anymore? yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? Right? If we do all right here, but yeah. Yeah, once you talk to this director, you get a, that's going to just propel everything, right? And But you will have an audience. That's the whole point. You're putting all this energy, and then yeah. you'll put that much more into it because yeah. that many more people love it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, why would you ever do that? Yet suffering seems to be a part of art, doesn't it? And, well, he, and he, didn't, he, meant, he didn't subscribe to that. No, he mentioned something about that too. Although yes. he, he said something that effect though too is like when he's, what do you say? When he's not suffering, he is, it's not that he's writing badly. He's just not writing. He said something to yeah, that effect. I, I forgot the exact okay. line, yeah. which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the part of that, uh, the audience line. It was something about, you know, poverty over you know, poverty doesn't mean purity. I think that was the line. It was some. It was kind of quip like that in that range. Yeah, but that was pretty interesting too. So in that way, I feel like we got some of the motivation behind like yeah. the Berlin period without them even mentioning how much cocaine he was doing before totally. that. I would have no clue. I had <laughs> oh, no clue. So much cocaine. Okay. <laughs> some of those images you look back at like how he looked. Yes. And he's doing this exaggerated like nasal flare because. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was he was in bad place. Okay. He could have died then for real. Yeah. This- so. This is one I was expecting a little more pain and torment. Yeah. When I went in, because I expect that from an artist of his mm-hmm. level of fame mm-hmm. and with every rock star, they fall mm-hmm. into drugs, all this stuff. This one, I'd probably sugar, didn't sugarcoat anything, but it, like you said, it didn't even talk about drugs. It just no. kind of, it left aside some of mm-hmm. those pieces. And I actually well, am appreciative of it. Right. Because I expected that. I'm like, oh, here's another one. I'm going to walk right. in, see how their life semi fell apart, and they pulled it back together. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't that tortured artist for yeah. most of his yeah. career, most of his life. He had a really rough period in the mid-70s, 75, 76. That yeah. was like the worst years when he was on doing so much cocaine and it was really was that awful. Kind of, was that the uh, departure from Siggy Stardust then? He yes. Had, he so, yeah. hit a leg yeah, in 74, he transitioned into his soul period. Okay. And then he releases Young Americans and Station to Station, um, which they didn't talk as much about that. They had a lot of clips from a movie called The Man Who Fell to Earth, which came out in 76 and was filmed in 75. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of clips with him, like that kind of reddish yellow yeah. slick back hair. Yeah, that's that was from that movie. Okay. Um, but that was his tough period. And then after that, he more or less, you know, I'm saying he had ups and downs to his life like everybody does, but yeah. he wasn't this. He seemed to shake it off. He was tortured artist. Yeah, he wasn't, he you know, dealing with depression. He never attempted suicide. He never, you know, any of that stuff. Yeah. 
I think um, walking out of this too, I'm, uh, I have a renewed interest to possibly dig into discography a little bit more. Oh again. yeah, it's, oh yeah. It's because now I can picture the essence again mm -hmm. of that man, and like I think that you, makes you the tell music me what important. you know what period you want to you know yeah, dig into. Yeah, I'll yeah. tell you where to go. You know <laughs> no, I will. You know I will. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure where to start necessarily mm -hmm. right now, but I'm more interested because I know the popular stuff. Mm -hmm. but. All right. Well. Thank you for your thoughts, Brandon. Yeah, very well. This was Charlie. an excellent experience. It was wonderful. Well, guys, I think that was an excellent experience for us all. And I say that after having not listened to the last five minutes of y'all talking about Tool and Androgyny and Bowie and such. All right, I'm back in the car. Just finished watching Moon Age Daydream, documentary about Bowie, directed by Brett Morgan, Oscar nominated director. It was pretty sweet. This is Charlie. From Boy vs. Dylan, signing off. And this is Jake, also from Boy vs. Dylan, but signing off even harder. That was uh, that was me reporting in live from the showing of uh, Moon Age Dream. Boom. My favorite part was Amazing. at the end where I talked to somebody other than Jake about David Bowie. <laughs> that was pretty cool. And I talked to my friend Brandon about it, and he was like, yeah, Charlie, you're right. David Bowie's better than Bob Dylan. That was a good part. That was a really good part. I hated that part. I hated it. I can't believe I just listened to it. He was so insightful and just so intelligent yeah. and such a nice change of pace. Yeah, yeah, really. Uh-huh. Why don't you marry All him? Right. Why don't you do a podcast with him? Why don't you do that? Because I'm already you, married. Jake. Why don't you do a podcast about just David Bowie then and, and maybe you and <laughs> you and your new podcast partner can uh, can get a <laughs> can get an exclusive, not at all exclusive interview with Brett Morgan, who was talking to everybody but us at the time. Everybody. <laughs> everybody but us. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was too good to be I true. I do not blame Brett Morgan, I know you're listening. Yep, as you always we, are. We don't blame you. We blame your flunkies. We don't blame you at all. In fact, I listened to a couple of interviews that you did, Brett. I know you're listening. Uh, around that time, too, because I was going to do some research about like what kind of cool questions I could ask you and... You right. know, how I could make fun of Charlie while I was asking you these questions. And uh, right. you sound like a really interesting an and cool guy. Like, you gave some very interesting and, like, offbeat interviews. And we would have loved to have been a part of something like that. And Montage of Heck is harrowing, but it's really good. It's very harrowing. Uh, it definitely gets dicey there. But Moon Age Daydream yeah, does yeah. not, right? It doesn't get dicey, does it? No, not really. Okay. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> uh, what I'd like to talk about most, Jake, was the most exciting release of the year, and I'm gonna go. Well, I'll go further with that, but not quite yet. Okay. Um. So this was, you know, this Moonage Daydream came out in September. There was a soundtrack to it. Yep. I was like, oh dang, we're not gonna get another cool big box set this year. <laughs> this, but you know, it's okay. This thing is pretty cool. I completely had come to terms with that. I was at peace with this. You were chill and ready to move on with my life. And yep. then completely out of the blue, but this does not happen very often, where I'm completely like caught off guard because I got I got my man my finger on the pulse. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm and I'm the type of guy who finds all these releases before they're actually announced, and, and then I spread them on the internet. Oh. Under a pseudonym. Don't tell them my pseudonym, Jake. Don't tell them the pseudonym. What? Boy, they're gonna guess I now. Get, I don't want to get in trouble with the popo. I just... So <laughs> don't tell them my pseudonym. Anyway, yeah, they're coming after you. Completely out of the blue, they come out with this release. By the name of divine symmetry and jake the best way to describe it is divine <laughs> is it symmetrical no it's not symmetrical 
It's not symmetric. So it's false advertising is what you're trying to tell me. I mean, the anyway, it matches the size and the format of conversation piece, but it ones up it in several different ways. Ooh. And we'll get into that when we get to points. It's a deep dive into Hunky Dory, one of Bowie's very best albums. I think I usually consider it my fourth favorite Bowie album, but in general, to the public at large, I'd say it's probably his second best known after Ziggy Stardust. Yeah, that's what I would say, too. And it's the only studio album, David Bowie's studio album, that Jacob Beck owns. Boom. I got it. It's, right there. That's how good it is. I'll buy, it is. I'll buy Ziggy Stardust if I see it on vinyl somewhere, but I'm not buying a picture disc of it. I guarantee you that. No. 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 That's right. I bought it on vinyl recently. Um... In 2022, when it was when it was re-released, <laughs> for the 80th time. one picture one not. I was half speed master, and I went for it. And oh, I half speed! A, and it was on picture yeah. disc or not on picture disc? Not on picture. Well, they did both. They did a picture disc and a non-picture disc. But they did the half speed master. Yeah. So Does I did it sound... the non-picture disc, half speed master. There's Does it sound good? Insane coming up for its 50th anniversary. It sounds good. Yeah, that's it, that. That would be. I got for 25 bones. That'd be choice. I would do that. Not, break, not breaking the bank. I would do that. Hey, I'll give you 24 for yours, uh, and you have to pay shipping to send it to me. Deal. So anyway, Jake, there's 72 tracks on four CDs. Of Ziggy Stardust? Half Speed Mastered? What? No, Jake. I'm going back to Divine Symmetry. <laughs> got it. It's so got divine. It. It's divine. What I'm derailing right. me from the thing I want to talk about the most today. I know. I want to talk about Half Speed Mastering. It's four CDs and one Blu-ray. The mm-hmm. CDs have mm-hmm. 72 tracks. Oof. 50 of them previously unreleased. Boom! 50. Boom, boom, boom! 36 unreleased recordings, 14 unreleased mixes, 60 of the tracks I did not previously own out of 72. Oh, baby. Oh, oh it's like half of a bootleg series almost. I know. Well, and that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Is Jake, I have one serious question. Yeah. Is, is this what it's like to be a Dylan fan? <laughs> it is, Chaz. It is. Because I, I really like it, Jake. I know. I really like it. I know. Now, now what you really can nice. do, maybe going forward, since you've had two of these now that are good, like really good, right? You've had conversation keeping piece. in mind, keeping yeah. in mind that they did not do this for the album in between those two. They did the, like a much smaller thing that was they had some good stuff in it, but was not nearly so as deluxe. What what is what one of the things about the bootleg series is there's so much trust built up. Not that everyone is a home run, but there's so much trust that that we can sit around and like dare to dream. We can be like, oh yeah, yeah. you know. I mean, he hasn't done time out of mind yet. I bet there's a bootleg series coming up, and it might not be this year, it might not be next year, but you can pretty much like dare to dream about it. And maybe yeah. maybe someday you'll get to that point, but I don't know. I am I'm dreaming of a Ziggy Stardust one since that's next time. Absolutely, you got to. And there's no way they're screwed. They're, like they haven't released anything major for Ziggy yeah. Stardust for the 50th anniversary. They just released those two vinyl reissues we just talked about, and one streaming single. So I'm feeling quite confident <laughs> that they're going to do this again, at least for Ziggy. That's it. I don't know. You that's mean you want hopefully loud and sane afterwards? You want more than one streaming single? You're asking a lot, sir. A lot from his <laughs> most want, famous album. I want another fat box set that I can just yeah. Yeah. put my face in, you know, and just like yeah. rub my rub my beard around. Like it it could be substantial enough to stop a door, but you wouldn't use it for that, you know? You'd use it to yeah. snuggle. No. With. No, I'd nurture it. You'd just care of it better than my own children. <laughs> Clearly. I mean they're a lost cause. This new box set well, is the new is the best. They're a lot less lot less breakable too plus they drew on my my copy of conversation piece so oh, that's right right on the cover they got some pen on it like within two days of me owning it so yeah 
That was not not again, Jake. Not again. And they're sleeping out in the snow as we speak. As we speak. Yeah. Sleeping with the fishes. Sleeping with. Whoa. Uh, um, notably, it does contains four CDs. It did also contain a Blu-ray with high-res versions of 31 of the tracks. It does not have any exclusive tracks on the Blu-ray. Okay. Some people are really into the high-res stuff. Oh yeah. I don't care that much. Only Me one neither. of them is a five. Only one of them is a five point one thing. I'm hoping that future ones will have some video content. There is no video content from this time that could have shown up, but there, there's nothing at all. Okay. So it's not like they're missing out on anything. Like, yeah. So I'm hoping that in the future, as he goes forward, like his music videos will be remastered and put on there and stuff like that. That'd be real cool. Spatial, so spatial like audio, that. spatial audio. Spatial audio. Thanks, Jake. I knew I was going to think it. of it. You got it. So um, I'm going to leave through the rest of the points. So let's go on over. Let's do some quick pointing. We've wow. Been, uh, we've Boom. Flying on this episode. Okay. All right. Point and it up. By flying, I mean going really slowly and taking a really long time. I mean, that's, you know. We're, we're flying high. We only, we're, we're flying really high. Uh, it's like being flying in an airplane. Deep. You feel like you're going slow, but you're actually going like a thousand miles per hour. That's what we are. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, okay, so for this year, I only have a couple things to actually put points on. Unless like bat crap interviews uh, get points these days. I'm sure they do. Nope. Okay. Nope. 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 Uh, I'll just cross that off here. Yep. <laughs> uh, okay, so he did a never-ending tour. Um, tours are worth one point, and I'm just gonna say since he came back blazing with 82 shows in one yeah. year, you know, he sat around for the uh-huh. entire pandemic with Vertigo, but he can just play any concert he wants. That's fine. <laughs> he can't sign Shoot. his he can't sign his name, Vert- but he can play a concert every night. The Vertigo is a problem while sitting down and writing your name, <laughs> but while standing up and stand playing for two hours. I like how he was every, like every fourth day of the entire year. That's yeah. No problem. Yeah, but you know, he his team of five couldn't get his couldn't pick his hand up to make him write <laughs> <laughs> write a standing on a stage doing solo shows. No yeah, problem. But not not a big deal. No. Nope. Him and five people nope. trying to get him to write his name. He could play like a glacially slow version of Murder Most Foul for an entire concert in a row without stopping. <laughs> but but seven straight hours. But my God, like get us an auto pen, can we please? <laughs> I just love. Wait, maybe my, he's, maybe he has an auto guitar. He's, he's not even playing it anymore. Well, you know, he has been known to just kind of stand there with a the guitar, but uh, he does play the piano a lot, uh, for real. Apparently, my favorite part well, about you this. You know that player pianos are a thing, Jake. They've been a thing for a what? long time, old enough to what? have been referenced somewhere in that book about songs. Philosophy of Modern Song. There's an auto piano. Those player pianos. What? Player pianos. What? Just, Play your pianos, Jake. Have you ever heard? You, there's a there's a di- there's, there's kind of a digital piano I think that has come out. Well, that too. Uh, they can play by itself. Uh, my favorite part about my favorite part about this auto pen thing is like everyone's pretending like it, the six like whatever cut Bob Dylan would get from this is pales in comparison to the six hundred million dollars or whatever that he received in the last two years. When he sold his, when he I was sold like, Bob, you sold out, man. You sold out. It's like he doesn't need the money. I like he doesn't sign anything. What are you guys talking about? Simon Schuster needs the money. Yeah. I mean that's not even that much money. Anyway. Uh we're not even talking about the book. We're talking about this tour. I'm giving it a one point. I'm giving it a one point zero. Way to go, Bob. Hey, excellent. Way to go. I hope to see you in the next three years of your scheduled concerts. We'll see. Um, Free tickets and backstage passes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And so Charlie can listen. I'm going to wear a David Bowie shirt back in the backstage, just so you know. Yeah, but everyone would be like, cool shirt, man. Like, there's no actual rivalry between the two Uh, besides us. Well, I'll wear the... uh, 
I'll wear the Blacklist Boy vs. Dylan shirt. The only one in existence before we got cease and desist. And we'll I'm do. hoping that we don't get arrested that night. <laughs> because they're on the they're looking for you, sir. And I it's the heat. You know, and like Peter around the campfire, I'm gonna deny you three times. <laughs> I do not know this person. He's got, got biblical. Who's who's well we're talking about Bob Dylan here, it always turns. It gets biblical real fast. It's all the soul of the devil, Jake, okay? I mean, sure, that's biblical, but it's the wrong side of the Bible. It's the wrong side of the... He reads the Pauline epistles all the time. He doesn't watch dog-ass TV shows. That's true. You know, he said so. Uh, You can definitely tell when Bob Dylan is saying something that Bob Dylan would say versus writing a fake apology that there's no way that you wrote. It's like, he's like, uh, I did something dog-ass today. I used an auto pen. <laughs> like the gates of hell mawed open and handed me an auto pen and I used it uh, while I was on the ganja grass. <laughs> the gate was made by by Dylan himself. That's absolutely, absolutely. He made, maybe that was the maybe that's what Mostly he gates. maybe that's the the deal he made. He got um, he got to be a, a famous musician, but he has to make gates of hell for the rest of time. <laughs> <laughs> more yeah, gates probably worth it more gates uh, unless, the only... he's, unless he's touring that's why he tours so much because when he's touring he doesn't have to make gates he's like I'm sorry devil I'm <laughs> occupied boy I'm trying to pick he got put in there that's why he got vertigo he kept like too many gates <laughs> too many hell gates <laughs> it's kind of a common problem oh, oh man God. Man, I had a nickel for every time I had to make two hundred games. <laughs> Let me tell you, on I'm the road again. Five hundred ninety-nine dollars and ninety-nine cents. I just can't wait to get out on the road again to purchase a signed book. By I'm stuck Bob here Dylan. making hell gates for my friends. <laughs> I can't wait to get on. The only other thing that he did worth points is his book, and I I don't remember honestly, Chaz. What do we give writing an entire book? Like, is that a two? I don't po- know. Is that a I two mean, pointer? That is- What's that? It's at least a three-pointer. Yeah, right? I was thinking three, probably. Yeah. So, I really... I well, really I didn't write any books, so that didn't come up with him. Right, and Dylan only wrote one other book. Uh, okay. The Famous Chronicles, Chronicles, which will never, Chronicles ever... Chronicles Volume 1. Yeah, I mean, Volume 2 and 3 coming never to a store near you. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I... T- you know, there's only so much that I can make fun of it, and I haven't read the entire thing, but I assume it's kind of more of the same. It's very, it's very interesting. It's very fascinating. He, he has a style of writing um, that's a little bit challenging to read a lot, but it's his like info and everything that he brings to his essays are are really are really good, I would say. And it's really got it gets you down these little rabbit holes of all these songs that you can listen to and all these artists that you never heard of. I mean, he really has a knowledge of early American pop music that is, like, off the charts. I don't even know. Like, he's almost a scholar about it. I'm sure there's people that... I'm sure there's people that teach classes and college-level classes, but they would also include Bob Dylan in their class. Mm -hmm. And Bob Dylan somehow doesn't include himself, uh, which is fine. So I think, I mean... I don't know. Can I just add in one more, one more little bit, bit of praise for this book? Yeah, please do. I think they must have gotten a new intern to do with the cover on this one because oh. I kind of like it. I mean, too. It's nice, isn't it? I like yeah. the font and everything. It's shocking. Still looks a little. It still looks a little amateur, but I like it. Yeah. It's got some. It's got some class to it. Yeah. It's got some just panache. 
So I think that intern must have finally uh, finished up, gotten gotten yeah. credits, and now there's new in it. Uh, the artwork. Oh, congratulations, intern! Congratulations on your graduation. The artwork on the inside is actually really, really good as well, and goes well. Interesting. With the book, so. Interesting. I mean, interns gotta fly. You know, they gotta spread their wings sometimes. Sometimes. Uh huh. So I'm. You know what? I'm gonna give the book a plus two point five. Hey, sounds good. Yeah. I don't even know why to give it less than 0.5 points. I just don't feel like it's a masterpiece. But that, I guess, it's not the yeah, sure, absolute sure. best you can Makes do. Sense. But I, 2.5 seems good. Yeah. So, uh, uh, again, unless you know, unless he can, unless he can get nope, points for having a scandal. All right, so let's do some points for Bowie. Right. Are you gonna go through all 65 releases? I can't wait. Yep. No. 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 I'm yeah. talking about the ones that I talked about. I'm not going through any of the reissues. No, obviously. Toy box. We talked about that one a lot. We did. Uh, I'm glad to have the album itself. The rest of it is a little unnecessary. The album itself is solid, but not a masterpiece. Um, it's all him doing new versions, or it's almost entirely new versions of songs that he himself recorded much earlier in his career. Um, most of them he wrote much earlier in his career, but between like 65 and 71, I think. They're written. There's one new song on there also. Okay. But it's uh, it's stately. It's uh, it's tasteful. Yeah, tasty, tasteful. Yeah, except, except for the cover, which uh-huh. is not tasteful. Not tasteful. Not tasteful. The opposite of tasteful. No. Tasteless. Untasteful. Almost just, tasteless. Just tasteful. Just tasteful. How about tasteless? Can it be tasteless? No, no, it has a taste, and it's a bad taste. <laughs> it's just a bad one. All right. Yeah, it's a, it's distasteful. Fair enough. Um, I'm gonna give it because it's a box set and all that jazz. It's I'm gonna give it a one point five. All right. We'll go with the one point five of that. And next up, I've got <laughs> is the. Uh, oh, wait, you question. Oh, I was just laughing because usually we we can give a point for really nice artwork or like sturdy construction of the box or whatever. But yeah, you know, no. that's almost negative points for that. At this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, next up is these Earthling remix EPs. There sure. Six of them. I'm giving them. They were surprisingly listenable. All right. And cool. Multiple unreleased remixes in there. So for the whole. Uh, Log of them, I'm giving them one point. One point. Seems fair. Seems fair. Sure. For the effort. Next up are the Brilliant Adventures EP and Toy EP, which I'm also cutting together. So now the Brilliant Adventures EP has a, has a couple legitimately interesting tracks. There's a really early version of I'm Afraid of Americans called Johnny Downloader. Johnny. <laughs> which is going to be my new oh, yeah. tag online. Oh, I like that. that. All the time. I'm going to be Johnny Downloader. I wonder what Bob Dylan everywhere. thinks of Johnny Downloader. Probably not. Yes. Not, not, probably not that. anything good. <laughs> It'll be in the second volume. Johnny Downloader. <laughs> Previously unreleased. Brand new track. So I was glad to see that. Nice. Toy really doesn't have much interesting because, you know, there's already been a three-disc box set had come out. Just you know, like a matter of like weeks three before. Months earlier. <laughs> right. And so they had another six songs. They're like, whoop. We didn't put these in the box set. I guess we'll make another disc. Why? Uh, but this disc will not fit in the box set. Even though it has exactly the same cover. It's preposterous. And it has exactly the same name. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. It's an outrage. It's salacious. It's, it's outrageous. Uh, it's outrageous? It's salacious? Outrageous. Outrageous? Salacious. I'm giving it a negative one. I'm giving these two a negative Whoa, one, Jake. Whoa. You were mad at like it. I'm mad about them. Yep. And I kind of wish I had not bought them. I, I thought ruined... about not buying them. And oh, I did really? It, and I was like, yeah. oh, man. Like this is between that and Brilliant Live Adventures, uh, it's really pushing me to the very, very edge of the completest game here. Anyway. Yeah. 
Wow. They keep pulling this kind of nonsense. Then I mean, then they you know they come back out something like divine symmetry. That's like, well, yeah, but that uh, I mean, anyway, there there uh, does exist. Oh, good. There does exist a world where you don't buy the garbage, but you do buy the good stuff. Well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm moving towards. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. Wow. I'm, I'm on my way there. Yep. All right. All right. Kind of sad about it, but yeah. You know, I mean, we all reach our breaking point. Yeah. Well, it's here. Um, next up is Mooney's J Dream. It was a documentary which he was not involved in. So, actually, he was involved. In. No one who didn't know it started after he died. Anyway. Um, there was a soundtrack released from it. That's right. And it's got a lot of different remixed songs. Um, I, there are a couple never previously released uh, recordings, including, I mean, I didn't even write this down, but during his famous Farewell Z Stardust show in July of 73, mm-hmm. where he announced on stage mm-hmm. to the surprise of his band that it was the last show that he was there including, to do. Including our dear friend Mick Ronson. Now, Mick Ronson knew about it ahead of time. He was the only one who did. Oh, he was the all oh, he had been brought in, yeah. right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you got to tell Mick all your darkest secrets. You must. Well, and then because he was getting ready for a solo career there, you know. Sure. Anyway, um, what has never been appeared on that on the the many many releases of that show is that uh, in the encore, no other than Jeff Beck showed up and played two tracks with him. What? And one of those tracks was released on this. I haven't written down which one. I'm going to find which one because that's worth noting. But apparently I didn't write that down. But yeah, Jeff Beck freaking shows up and wails on some guitar with Mick Ronson. The two of them together. Oh, wow. It's a tasty lick orgy. Exploding everywhere. Just Just licks upon licks. Licks upon licks. It's a medley. It's a seven minute, 45 minute medley of the Gene Genie Love Me Do by the Beatles, and then Back to the Gene Genie, featuring Jeff Beck. Whoa. That alone, like, I would rather have that one song than all of the toy content. Just all, you just maybe want... Even, maybe even including, maybe not including the original, the, the full album. But yeah, you need Maybe the, even including yeah. the full album, because that is, it, it just... It rips. It tears it up, Jake. It, it just, rips. All right. It? it rips it. It rips it in two. Yeah, <laughs> great. In a positive R.I.P. R.I.P. Jeff Beck, by the way. Yeah, so, um, so between the, there's a bunch of different mixes of new, of re, or different mixes of songs. Some of them very, very different. So, with all that in mind, I think the soundtrack's worth worth a point. Sure. Maybe we should give it a point. We're just gonna point it. And then finally, last but not least, because it's actually last but best. Last but opposite of least. Some call it most. So, our last episode, we talked about the best archival releases ever, and I named Conversation Piece. Yeah. The super deluxe version of Space Oddity. Uh, my best archival release from Bowie ever. And Jake, there's a new sheriff in town. Just just like that. Just, just like, like that. that. Just coming in, guns a-blazing. Well, what it did was Divine Symmetry rolled, and it was like, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take everything good about Conversation Piece, and I'm going to add some other things that are even better. And I'm going to double it. Triple it so, even. Here are ways is better. Number one, yeah. unlike Conversation Piece, it was not preceded by like a half dozen completely pointless, stupidly boxed vinyl releases. Yeah, but it should have been. No. It just was like, hey, you know what, guys? Here's 50 unreleased tracks. Boom. Just let them, they just fly like doves. They fly into your ears. Yeah. It's in this big old book. 
like yep. taller than vinyl size. I don't know. It's like a 13 by nine book or something. I don't know what this guy says there. Um, but it contains a second book. It's a facsimile notebook. Whoa. I've gotten one of, I've gotten There's one of those before. There. Yeah. There's like a million different alternate track listings for Hunky Dory. Yeah. It's like Bowie's just like writing down the name of the songs. He's just writing about. them all in there. Yeah. He's just writing There's them in there. There's all these song titles that you never even heard of before. Oh yeah. Like, Whoa, yeah. He's like, I heart Mick Ronson all over it. It's so nice. Well, well most of those are from before he got back together with Mick Ronson. Oh. They kind of. They kind of broke up for a while, but then Mick Ronson came back for the actual recording of Hunky Dory. But all the demos and stuff before then, he was doing without them. Oh, I see. Um, it's got a Blu-ray disc with high res, like we said. I don't really care that much about it, but something no. really like that. It's in there. Well, and it's like a good way to include the original album in the original master or in the original uh, mix and everything in there. And that's a good way to go about it. Like rather than including another disc of Hunky Dory yet again, because anybody buying this already owns Hunky Dory, you know. Not you know what me. I'm Oh, wait, I do. You do, and you didn't buy it. No. So, didn't buy it. To so, buy I'm it. the opposite of what you just said. Um, on top of it, then, it's just better music, like, overall. Right. I mean, Space Oddity is a fine album. Space Oddity, the song, is a great song. Space Oddity, the album, is a fine album. But Hunky Dory is one of the best. It's like, classic. One of, you know, top of the 70s type albums. So, all of that going together is just amazing. Um, and on top of it, this was not really anything about the box set, but it was a list price of 120 big ones, which is, is steep. It's yeah, steep. it's steep. But the Bowie store mistakenly listed it for $70 on the first day. I can't and believe it. I scooped it. it up, Jake. I scooped it I, up. I'm so mad at you. I mean, I'm happy for you, but I'm mad at you. Like, oh, 70 That's not that expensive. And I started thinking like, that's probably a mistake. I'm gonna just order it from them no matter what. I'm just I'm just going for it, and I did, and I'm so glad I did. So did it did it make up? Uh, I mean, sometimes the ineptitude of the Bowie camp works in your favor. I guess this one time. Well, occasionally. This I mean, was, does it one does time. that make up for the th hundreds of dollars of stuff the of money that you've overspent on crap no. over the years? No. But it's I mean, still cool. That, 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 that saved fifty right there. Mm. I mean that. <laughs> If you even just take that off of Brilliant Live Adventures, I might—I guess I might have gotten down to a reasonable price on Brilliant Live Adventures. That doesn't make up for anything else. No, you just—you told us all last year that you spent like 175 bucks on Brilliant Live Adventures. You should have spent <laughs> no. Something like that. Yes. You should have spent no more than like 70 dollars on that. For for a seven CD. Yeah. Uh, none of it Come was on. remastered or anything. Come on. I think one disc was remastered. Anyway. It gets a fellow real excited for future Ziggy, Aladdin Sane, oh. Diamond Dogs, that's I guarantee there'll be a Ziggy Stardust set sometime this year. Maybe even Aladdin Sane one also, because Aladdin Sane's 50th anniversary is coming up in about you did, in April this year. The Bowie Camp would, oh, baby, would double would double release? Year. What? Oh, it might be. I, I don't know. I don't know if I could, my poor ticker could handle it. Hey, dare to dream, Jess. Dare to dream. I will at least dare to dream of an awesome Ziggy set. That is, you know, in somewhere in the neighborhood of the Hunky Dory one. If it's somewhere in the neighborhood of Divine Symmetry, it's going to be worth it. Even if I have to pay $120 instead. So. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. I, I, you know, I I pre-ordered Dylan's Fragments at 140 and I think the, I had that Amazon price guarantee or whatever. So it ended up yeah. down around 120 but as soon as it came out, you could see it for 110 100 bucks easily. 
But I didn't oh, want to yeah. wait, you know? I wanted to be on it. No, I know, I know. So. Well, yeah, and the Bowie Camp even managed to deliver it to me on release day. Yeah, there you go. I got mine a day late. So it's mad. the single greatest thing they ever did was announcing that, making it a big surprise, releasing it, and it ended up being amazing, accidentally putting it for $50 less than what it was actually listed at, and then arrived giving it to me on the day, like the first day, the day that it was released. Wow. Wow. I should just quit now. It's never going to get any better than this, Jake. It's glimmer of hope. It's all downhill from here. It's a glimmer of hope. You know, so you're saying there's a chance. That's what you're saying. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we will walk into the sunset. Until Absolutely. Probably come up with some excuse to make another podcast. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, we may or may not do that. I just want to say before we go that I'm looking at my list from the top 10 archival releases and i'm thinking that fragments would probably slot somewhere in the middle of the top 10 already oh. <laughs> i've absorbed i love i love i love it and i i uh, can't give it points or anything this year but you'll hear all about it next year it's like oh, at least five six good. seven somewhere in that range it's really good and i'll be talking oh so i got i i gave it uh two and a half points for <clears> oh yeah that's right and it's a deluxe slipcase box book with all kinds of you know with heavyweight pages it gets that full extra point for for style mm, stylish so that's a six pointer of a year for nice for, uh, yeah even with the negative point dylan ended up with 3.5 so that's not bad either. Not, not too shabby not too shabby all right well with that we've delivered another incredibly long show absolutely but you know you only get one a Love year that. basically two a that's year true. So. that's true we gotta make up for it definitely and uh the only thing left i can think to say is uh i'm charlie and I like Bowie. I'm Jake. And I love Dylan. And we'll uh, talk at you next time. Bye.